What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. I am your guest host again, John McAndrew, and today we uh, our guest is Miles Adcox and he is the CEO of uh, on-site workshops uh, near Nashville, Tennessee, and we are, Miles is an expert in many, many, many different areas, and we're lucky to have him on the show today, and I want to kind of introduce our guest to uh, to Miles and who he is, and as I mentioned, he's the CEO of OnSite, and uh, he also owns and operates OnSite Music Publishing. He co-founded Peak Performance Brain Training. Uh, He's owned a financial services company. He also owns and manages Experiential Adventures, uh, co-founded a long-term trauma program for women in California. I think it's important here to note he co-founded a trauma certification program for therapists and practitioners and also runs the American Society of Experiential Therapists, uh, ASET. And they certify and train uh, experiential therapists all over the world. He's run a long-term young adult treatment center uh, for addictions and eating disorders and trauma. And Miles speaks nationally on various topics uh, around the country, and he's a industry leader in many, many areas. He's been a featured guest on the Dr. Phil Show on A&E's Intervention. He's been interviewed many, many times on national radio shows, and uh, we are glad and honored to have him today, and um, I think Miles uh, is going to share also with you how he came from the sports and oil industries world into this world uh, uh, that he has a great passion for, you know, leading and motivating people into positive change. Now, after all that long introduction, Miles, are you still with me? I'm still here, John. Thank you for that. That was uh, that was quite an introduction. I sound busier than I actually am. <laughs> well, you know what? You are that busy, and I have to tell our listeners that uh, I had the opportunity to visit on-site a couple of months ago. Uh, it's an extraordinary place to look at just visually when you drive up and then when you start to peel the layers back and see all the different things that on-site does um, and the many, many people that it has helped. And uh, I think one thing I, I, I would like our listeners to know, though, and, uh, you know, you came from this background that says uh, financial services and sports industry and uh, and oil which is quite a mixture of things. 
and you had a had a transformational experience in your life, which kind of led you down this path where you're at now. What what can you share with us about that? Well, it was. Um... I tell you, it was a it was a life changer, and it was a, an intervention, I guess, in its own way. I didn't know that terminology at the time, but I was kind of headed down the fast track in a couple different industries on a, a corporate path, and and finding a lot of success, or what I defined as success at that time. Mm-hmm. But I was slowly losing myself um, mm-hmm. along the way, and yeah. it it finally caught up with me. I I began to get pretty unhappy with some choices I'd made professionally and was kind of moving against um, a direction that my gut had said, this might be a good place for you to explore, but, um, you know, pressure from society and, and, and what I thought I was supposed to be doing to, to, to do better financially or, or to live up to expectations from uh, outside influences, mm-hmm. led, you know, led me down a path to, 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 to end up pretty unhappy. Uh, professionally, and that spilled over into personally, and and so you know, thankfully and, and gratefully, uh, I found uh, through that, which I now now looking back, I'm, I I know the reason for it. When I was in the middle of it, it was a pretty painful experience, but it, it led to some depression and, and some other things that I I found ways to medicate and numb out, and and fortunately, it led me to a path to recovery, personal recovery, and. And uh, I was fortunate to show up uh, in some places with some people um, at the right time, at the right place that, that kind of accepted me, knew what to say, and had been there before, uh, redirected me and, and got me back on a path personally first. And it's allowed me to discover my passion professionally and, mm-hmm. and off and running since. Yeah, and and how old were you? Miles, when you started to have success, uh, let's call it your old life. We'll call it your old life and your new life. (laughs) Uh, And how old were you? Because from what I understand, you're a pretty young man, uh, and you had a lot of things going on as a young man, I think more than most do. So how old were you when you started in this professional, I don't know, uh, what you thought was success? You know, and then what kind of how old were you when, uh, when you hit the wall? I started, well, I was on my way to the wall probably in the middle of finding some of that early success. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know it yet, and it was on a fast track to heading there, and I would say that was in my early 20s. And then it was around, um, I'd say, 24, 25. It happened fast within a couple years of, of kind of going against um, everything that I was being pulled towards. You know, it didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say 23, 24, around that uh, 25 was when life just wasn't working. Right. And, it, and uh, I hit uh, what you might call an emotional bottom. And yeah. at that point, it was, uh, wasn't much further down. So it's like, where do we go from here? And right. uh, the last, you know, 10, 12 years have been um, have been a pretty phenomenal path of uh, searching and, and finding my way. And I've learned a great deal uh, professionally because of my personal track and I've been doing the dance to balance both along the way. So it's been a pretty good ride. Right. And was your, was your family there to catch you? Uh, you, you mentioned the word intervention and I think it's, it's pretty important for people that, that work with others and at a level of intervention that they've gone through it themselves. And, 
and uh, and who what you know who and where and why did that intervention come along? Yeah, you know my my family. Looking back, if I would have done this interview, or if you would ask me these questions, probably well as early as, as six eight years ago, I might have answered that differently because there mm-hmm. were still some things with what I do now. Because part of what we do at Onsite, which I know we'll get into in the next segment, is specialize in resolving a lot of the stage two components. Which uh, you know, Ernie, I know an old friend of yours coined mm-hmm. that term, and and. Um, uh, when it comes to families and relationships and and all the things that we deal with post uh, what's up front, I had not dealt with some of that. And when I began to, I might have answered that differently, like I didn't get the support or that I was looking for that I needed or that might have been right. reason that I ended up down that path. But as I look at it now, I'm really grateful that my family showed up for me in the way that they did. I mean, they did it imperfectly, and they did it the best they could with the information they had. What I know is is that they cared about my well-being. So they came in at the right time and didn't say the things I wanted to hear, but ultimately, you know, it it shifted uh, my perspective in a way that got me on a different path, and they were a big part of that. So I think it's important to know, and I like what you said, that you, you need to be there to have understood it, but you, just as we have... It's easy for us as addiction professionals to have a lot of grace uh, for the addict because we know the addict's mentality. We we uh, have either been one ourselves or we work with them every day. So there's a natural empathetic response when it comes to behaviors that an addict, even, even though they're irrational and crazy, we can forgive really quickly. However, when it comes to the family, we put a different expectation on the way they're right. supposed to handle addiction. And the truth is, there's as much pathology underneath that as there is the addict, and we need to, as best we can, have the same level of empathy, grace, and compassion for the way the family deals with addiction. I, it's interesting because I kind of want to paint this picture of, of your experiences, uh, your personal experiences and experiences of others that have been really influential in the makeup of, of on-site. On-site's an incredible place, and I, and, uh, and we will be able to kind of talk more about that in the future, but it's interesting that you mention how things look in recovery in the rearview mirror. I know you've heard that expression as well, and uh, now your understanding of your family's involvement uh, being different <laughs> a little bit down the line. And I know in your family programs, that's a component of what you try to uh, to teach people, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's important to, I don't think it's too early to start trying to work on, resolve, in some cases just educate uh, people about what's happening in their system. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think there are some programs that do a good job at that. Uh, the reason being is that I, it, it, it took a lot of hard knocks uh, to figure that one out. And I think that's one of the hardest things we do early in recovery, whatever your path or whatever you're recovering from, is you go back out and you try to do intimacy with the people in your circle. And and, that, and in many cases, that you came from a pretty dysfunctional circle. So families, spouses, friends, and uh, there's no uh, recipe book or um, description guide that will tell you, instruction book to, to tell you how to do that. Mm-hmm. So as much information as we can give people early on, it, it might help them avoid some of the things that uh, those of us that came before them probably dealt with. Yeah. We've been talking with Miles Adcox, and he's the CEO of uh, OnSite in Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee, which is uh, a little piece of heaven near Nashville. 
Miles has been sharing his experience with us. And when we get into the next segment, I think we'll talk about the baby steps that you started to make, which sort of built the platform for you uh, for your vision of on-site. And uh, we'll be back with Miles in just a minute. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods, and I am... Of course, John McAndrew, your guest host, and we've been talking to Miles Adcox from Onsite uh, in Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee. And uh, Miles has shared with us his uh, kind of a personal experience of hitting the wall in his professional life. And uh, I think it's a a pretty powerful story that he now uh, kind of presides over a really incredible place called Onsite where they do workshops and uh Miles had mentioned the term stage two recovery from a gentleman who wrote the book, Ernie Larson, who we we both are familiar with. And stage two recovery is really about uh, recovering from whatever our illness is or our, you know, chosen device or addiction. And then stage two is to get down deeper and to add to our recovery, that search and that journey to go a little bit deeper. And I think the word workshop is, pretty, is simply just explains it all because we have to work. We have to kind of go down like a coal miner, you know, miles with a headlamp on. And hopefully someone will lead us down into this dark, scary place, you know. Sure. And uh, so I see you now, Miles, in your journey with your little coal miner's hat on with some friends. <laughs> and you're beginning this journey down in. And uh, what was your first uh, project or adventure when you started to take your recovery and the gifts that you were given uh, in administration and business or whatever? And, and what was the first thing you got into as you started to work this passion that kind of changed your life? Well, I was really fortunate because I just ran across them, and I think we all are. I think we run across those people, if we're open to it, that kind of serve as angels or, or guides, mentors. Right. 
And I, I had some great ones. I, I ran across some people early on that, that uh, helped guide and direct me, and, and one of which was a, um, a therapist. And, and I, was, I was inquiring about what I needed to do next. I was pretty certain after I had an awakening that I knew I wanted to be involved in people's change process. Because mm-hmm. I just seeing the light come on for people in the way that it did for me, um, I found my passion in that. I thought, okay, there's a lot of directions you can go with this. Where do I go? And my first thought was, let's go back and get another master's and get a doctorate and and uh, become a, uh, you know, I thought I'd go down the clinical path. And so I, I went to him. He cared a lot about it, and he thought about what he, what he thought. And I said, okay, um, tell me where I go to grad school and the best thing I should get my degree in and, and where should I do my training. And I was full but ready to go. And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, I've been doing this for 25 years. My experience is, is that the, the professionals in this field, regardless of, of where you go from the administrative side to the medical to the clinical to um, the, the, the professionals in this field that do the best and that are the most effective are those that get a Ph.D. in themselves. Huh? And <laughs> I never forgot that. He said, so if you're going to invest in anything, he said, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't need education and training, but if you're going to invest in anything, invest in your own work. Wow. And that was some of the best advice I ever got. And wow. so, so I did that. I wound up going and doing more work on myself, investing more in my treatment, more in, in, into recovery. And, and out of that, I got more clarity. I, got, I didn't even know I was getting training, but I ended up getting training by doing my own work. Um, it allowed me to respond, react, and decide about my path and, uh, different than I could before. Uh, the thing that helped me the most out of that was I knew if I wanted to get into a field that I knew relatively little about other than my personal experience in it, that I needed to set my ego aside and and start at wherever I was supposed to start. And so that was a good experience for me because I, I had been, you know, if you looked at my previous business cards, it was general manager and executive, and I thought, um, well, that's, you know, that's where I'll 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 step in at. And... Thankfully, I, <laughs> thankfully, I didn't. Yeah, I I, re- I started volunteering first um, at a a little men's spiritual retreat for alcoholism and addiction, uh-huh. and um, and I got great experience there. It was before anybody would even give me a job uh, because uh, you know you need certain you know certain programs have different criteria for when you can go to work, and I had not met that yet. Uh, but I. I, I also, um, I could give. Uh, I hate to start mentioning names because I'd be feel like I was getting a Grammy acceptance speech. There's about 50 people I'd love to thank for helping me yeah. in the early days. Um, but I, I started out with that volunteer gig, and that led me into um, an, a, a kind of startup center uh, that had been in business for a few years, uh, but they were relatively small. Um, and they had no openings, and I said, well, I'll do whatever. I just kind of want to get my foot in the door and understand the way this inpatient thing works, and sure, come along. We actually need somebody to drive. And so I went to work for, I forget what, I think it was uh, $8 an hour um, to to drive uh, patients from, they would fly in, you know, the drill, pick a, you know, drive the van up, pick them up at the airport. Yeah. And that was an amazing, you know, that's where I started. So... From there, I, I worked every almost every position uh, in that uh, center, and then ultimately wound. And that was the one you mentioned earlier. That was a longer term um, extended model for addiction, trauma, eating disorders. 
and ended up uh, ended up running it for for several years uh, before I got to on-site. But I start, started driving initially. Well, so you started from the ground up. It's like a Rocky story. Yeah. Uh, you know, or or you're the bat boy, and, and now you're the CEO. And, and I want to, you know, on-site, can you just give us a little background on what on-site was, and then when you walked up to the door, uh, you know, where was on-site uh, when you first met it and decided to get involved? I know it has a long, long history. It's been around for a really long time. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things I, I love talking about the history so much so that I'd probably put our listeners to sleep if I spent a whole segment on it. So I'm going to try to, um, I'll try to uh, cut it a little short, but also give it what it deserves because I, uh-huh. I really think we come from an amazing place. And and uh, Sharon Whiteshatter Cruz was our founder, and she kind of uh, paved a way and charted a path early on. Uh, she was one of those early trailblazers in the addiction field when there weren't a lot of places to go from people dealing with the fallout of addiction unless right. you were the addicted person. And in some circles, especially in the intervention world, we've we've come to call that the identified patient, the person, I guess, that's hurting the most. And what we know is that it's a family illness. So out of addiction, there's a lot of fallout, uh, codependency and relationship issues. And, and uh, there's a high, high rate of divorce uh, from parents of addicted ch- children and also when one of the other spouses are addicted. Uh, and there's nowhere to go to get treatment or to get education to understand what's happening to my son, daughter, mom, dad. Right. And, she, the reason she did that was because she lost her father uh, to alcoholism, and she wanted to understand it. And this was back early on before they even had this was in before they had women, you know places for women to go to get treatment for alcoholism. And she went door to door until she finally found an all men's treatment center that would let a non alcoholic, non addicted wow. ACOA do thirty days of treatment with them. She was really a pioneer. This is nineteen seventy eight. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and that's where she and out of that she realized there needs to be a resource for family members to go. Ultimately, she wanted to create an ancillary service to the addiction community for families to get help to, and that's kind of where it started. And and when she started that, she would go on site to different places, organizations, treatment centers, and help set up family programs and uh, went all over the country doing that. And that's where Onsite came from. Ultimately, she got enough of a following where people wanted to come to her. So she kept the name, uh, set up a shop, and and we've been in um, Austin, Texas, and and, uh, she married Joe Cruz, who was the founding medical director of the Betty Ford Center. So we've got a great history, and they were out there for a little while, and then back in Tucson, Arizona, and we've been in Tennessee since uh, 95, I believe. So, and, and since she went on to write a lot of books on codependency and, and uh, love addiction and uh, coupleship and just did some amazing work around some of the stage two things we talked about and, mm-hmm. and really built a great program. And so um, did she bring the facility to uh, Cumberland Furnace to Nashville? <laughs> She did not. Um, okay. There was a couple that uh, I'm, I'm kind of the third lineage or third generation uh, right. of 
of on-site, but there was a couple in between the founder and me named Ted Klontz and Margie Zugich, and they were just saints in them, in themselves. They were both in educators who turned therapists and fell in love with the on-site process and, and kind of were groomed and mentored to be a succession for Sharon and Joe, and they had it for 15 years, and, uh, and then they did the same for me. They were looking for succession, and we spent a good year talking and, and looking at, is this a possibility? And I had done, one of the first things I said I wanted to do was, three years prior to that, John, I was I was dreaming of a place where I could resolve. <laughs> what, what people don't know is that yeah, they call me they call me an expert in doing this work, but really I was just trying to heal myself. Yeah, and yeah. so I was chasing that stuff. I wanted to know what was wrong and why I didn't fit in. What was the depression, the anxiety, and the family stuff? And so, on that path to do that, I found Onsite, and I and they said the first thing we want you to do you get you is do your own program. That's how. Yeah. You get it. And so I did it, and, and I knew right away. It just yeah, blew me you know, away. It's very interesting. We've mentioned Ernie Larson, and uh, I have been was honored to know Ernie for quite a long time, and he used to talk a lot about this uh, concept that your higher power or God will give you a uniform and train you to do the things that you know, you're supposed to do. I, I think, Miles, this is a classic story that in your journey – uh, and, and we hear a lot of this in recovery to heal ourselves. Uh, we're given some tools to keep what we get, you know, to give it away. And I think, you know, on-site is just a classic story of that, the way it was founded and the fact that you're there now. I want to give, before we go to break, our listeners the website. It's www.onsiteworkshops.com. And please check it out, possibly even while you're listening to the show, and, and we'll be back after this break, and we're going to start to pick apart some of the different programs that are offered at OnSite with Miles Adcox. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods, and you already know that I'm John McAndrew, your guest host, and we've been having a really nice discussion with with Miles Adcox from OnSite, and uh, 
Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee, which is near Nashville, but it's a small little piece of heaven that fell out of the sky and landed near Nashville, and that, that's where the current on-site facility is. And again, the website is uh, it's just onsiteworkshops.com. And now that you're at on-site, Miles, and you realize you've been envisioning this in your head, and then you actually come upon it, as you told us, more uh, in search of your own recovery, and you found this this place on-site. And we want to let the listeners know uh, some of the different programs that are offered there. And I want to I want to let you know that on a personal note, I know some people that have been to on-site. And people that have been uh, that are professionals or been in recovery for a long, long time, uh, or both, that's that have just stated that it was the most incredible experience in their recovery that they've ever had to spend some time out at uh, on site. And there's several different programs, and I I just want to mention start off with a couple because it is around Valentine's Day and. You do programs for a couple different programs for couples, right? Workshop. Yeah, we we do. We uh, six times a year we run a coupleship program, which is where uh, that would be couples in a group or in a community, and it's in a small group with usually two to three other couples. And we've got phenomenal uh, facilitators, the therapists. We bring in the best of the best around the country, fly them in to facilitate those. Mm-hmm. And then we've got couples intensive, uh, which is where a couple can come in and we'll pair them with a therapist or a team uh, for usually a four and a half day experience and, and where we're getting, you know, six to eight hours a day. Uh, so we're really packing in what couples might be able to do outpatient. and uh, It might take them a year to get all that in one setting. And so um, it would be more for specific areas that need immediate attention. Um, if we're kind of on the rocks or just about to consider separation or divorce, or if there's been an affair, need some disclosure, it would be for some of the bigger things. But there's a lot of power. We usually recommend people do the coupleship program first because there's a lot of power in, in being able to mirror other people's experiences and being right. in a group. with. And the reason we call it coupleship is because it, it allows uh, for each person to work individually on their selves, but also there's this third party involved in the relationship that's the coupleship. And we treat it separately, and we look at it and work at it, and we build it, uh, because a lot of times you, you're looked at as one partner or two partners, and there's actually a third, which is this relationship that needs to be held sacred. And it gets neglected, and when it starts getting neglected and we get into our individual past, we lose focus of what brought us together in the first place, and that's when right. the foundation starts to crumble. So mm-hmm. so you, rec- you recommend the coupleship first, and then if a couple's in an acute situation... The couples intensive would be something to do after that. That's a separate yeah, four and a half days. After that, in some cases, it, it might be a better fit. We'll assess a couple if they'll call, you know call into the to the office here. We'll assess them, and 
and determine what might be the best path at the best time. But that, that coupleship program, we have people come to it for all reasons. It could be if, if there is a problem in the relationship or problems uh, around communication or lack of intimacy. Um, or, or, you know, I know um, we're getting close to um, or right around Valentine's Day here. Um, I know that uh, uh, sometimes people are just searching for more intimacy in their relationship with their partner. Mm-hmm. And it's a great program for that as well. Yeah. Everything takes practice, doesn't it? That's sort of a common thread through all these workshops. And I think through recoveries, we have to practice things and be given some tools. And uh, it sounds like, I think before I forget, could you give us a number in case there are listeners that would like to jot this down that need to call, you know, in particular, the couples intensive would be if somebody is in trouble, what is the number to call? Sure, it's it's 800-341-7432. Okay, and do they ask for anyone in particular? You can ask for Ryan or Amelia. We're pretty we're a pretty small administrative team, so you can yeah. usually you'll get one of the two of them. Okay, it's awesome. Um, and you're you're right about the. Uh, about the practice thing, and I just want to mention this because there's a lot of great places you can go to get support uh, when it comes to your relationship. There's a lot of couples workshops, and and you can do that with your church or uh, you know in different areas in your community. Mm-hmm. And you know, what what kind of sets it apart is we've we've learned that the more we, your relationship came together around an experience. And right. we want to create an experience to bring it back to where it might need to be. So we do everything experiential, meaning we're not going to just sit for, for four days and talk to you or give you information or educate you on what you should do. We're going to really make it interactive and show you and get really creative with, with we bring in songwriters and, and have couples write their own song, and, and we'll record it right there, and they'll take it with them. And there's, there's just a lot of ways to reach people and create experiences for them, and that's what we're all about across the board, but especially in those couples programs. Right. And then from the couples programs, uh, you have a program called Family Intensive. You might talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's just kind of our roots are built around families. Um, And we, you know, Sharon spent the last five years uh, with Virginia Satir, and and a lot of people in our world know her to be one of the... uh, one of the major arcs of the family systems movement. And we kept a lot of that heritage. Our foundation is we do great systems work, whether we're working with someone individually or whether we work with the whole family. And that family intensive is just that. It's when uh, an entire family will come in uh, and, you know, age nine and up, meaning kids and all, and we will pair them with a team of of therapists and work with them for four and a half days to uh, resolve whatever it is that they might need to to work on. And and this doesn't replace what might happen in a family week. It usually would pair or partner really well with it. Family week, referring to a lot of treatment programs, have great family education weeks and family programs. This is just a little deeper. So it would be taking that information and then doing some therapeutic work around it so that we can really integrate it when you get back home. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a family listening, I uh, I start to have some. Now I've been able to go see it, but you may explain uh, to our listeners just a little bit about the facilities because there are uh, uh, the place is beautiful, and it's a really nice place to stay. 
But when a family comes and drives up that driveway, what, what's the first, uh, you know, where do they stay and uh, the facilities, you know? Yeah, th- thank you. We, we're really blessed we, to get to work in such a beautiful place. And uh, so we're, we're just far enough outside of Nashville where you, 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 we're not too far where it's an exhausting drive, but we're far enough to where you can really unplug from the city. And we're on a beautiful farm, uh, ranch-type atmosphere. I've uh, got a lot of acreage, and as you drive up, the centerpiece of, of the property is uh, an old mansion that was built, a 6,000-square-foot mansion that was built in 1868. And it's Victorian style and just a really beautiful centerpiece. We have all of our meals in there. We've got uh, the original antiques from the early 1800s. And there's something about it that when you see it, when you pull up the driveway, it's just calming. And you're like, you kind of take a deep breath and you're like, okay. Uh, The last thing I wanted to create when it comes to this type of work where people are going to be staying with us is anything that felt like a hotel or anything that felt institutional. Right. I wanted them to feel when you get here, you, you, and so we've really worked on that and built on what they already had in place with that. And then we've got cabins that surround the back of it that, uh, you know, when you come here, it's a place, a destination place as if you were going to a nice bed and breakfast or a nice retreat somewhere. Because uh, I really want people to take a, take a break and take a deep breath when they get here and be able to relax. Mm-hmm. And the scheduling, where will people, where can people find out? Uh, the workshops are scheduled. Uh, how how are they scheduled, and where can they find that information? I'm I'm sure on the website, but are they weekly, monthly, all the time, all year long? Yeah, yeah. About 42 weeks out of the year, we're running workshops, and the fir- the one wow. we're known most for probably is the Living Center program, and it's a it's a it's a workshop that's kind of a catch-all. And this would be anybody, anyone that's stuck in any area of their life is the easiest way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's around grief and loss or forgiveness or lack of intimacy or um, any of the stage two recovery uh, pieces, codependency, we're really good at that. But that program kind of catches that. It's a six-and-a-half-day experience, and we run that the first week of every month. And and that's our biggest one. We'll have 40 in that one. You have to sign up pretty well in advance because that one does really well and sells out pretty quick. The rest of them, we're running alongside that. And so the next week we might have three separate uh, workshops with 10 people in each. And, and we run on a variety of topics. You mentioned some couples, families. Uh, we run a financial workshop. Um, so it's, it's a pretty diverse. The best way to, to figure that out is to, one, uh, look at the website. And you can read a description about each, or you can call. I mean, the, the people here are amazing, and they know these workshops inside and out. So that's the easiest thing to do is just put in a call to Ryan or Amelia and say, I'm interested, I'm curious, here's what's going on, what do you think, what do you recommend? We've been talking with Miles Adcock from OnSite in uh, near Nashville, Tennessee, and we've been talking about the Family Intensive Program. Uh, there's two two programs for couples called Coupleship, and the other is Couples Intensive, which is a one on the couples with a therapist, very intensive for some acute problems, uh, you know. Uh, we talked about the Living Centered Program with Miles, which Miles said most people kind of enter at that level, which kind of uh, it orients people with the process of coming to a workshop if they haven't come to one before, and, and then maybe they can identify some issues. When we come back from break, though, and I know Miles, this is one of Miles' loves, and I think this is just one of the many things that makes on-site really special is the equine program 
and uh, I've seen you on a horse, Miles, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it looks like you were born on one of those things. But in, but incredible, cathartic things happen in that equine program. So when we come back from break with Miles, uh, we'll talk about the equine program. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. And we've been talking with Miles Adcox, of course, at OnSite. And by now, I think you're all pretty familiar with Miles and uh, some of the programs that are available at OnSite. And again, we want to give the website. It's OnSiteWorkshops.com. And the phone number is 800-341-7432. And you can talk to anyone on the phone there. The the staff at OnSite is very small, and you will get... uh, really good attention, uh, so just don't be afraid to call and ask questions and uh, find out some more. And I've been kind of saving the best for last uh, because I know a little bit about this. In one of Miles' earlier ventures, I remember seeing him ride out into this field at a place that he had invited me to come see, <laughs> and he was on a horse, and it just it looked so picture-perfect. Uh, but there was something about Miles and this horse, and I know that he is, uh, horses are very good to Miles, and Miles is very, are very good to horses. And I think OnSite, uh, without a doubt, is one of the premier, has one of the premier equine programs in probably all of the world. And I, and I know Miles will be humble about this, but I will in confidence say that. Uh, tell us, Miles. Well, you love horses. That had, and I obviously we know your own journey. Um, where was the first place you saw somebody use a horse as therapy? Well, I had been fortunate to experience people using it with uh, children with disabilities early on, and I saw the magic of that. But it, it, and I still. 
I work with that population with ours, not at on-site, but it's something I do. Uh, one of my favorite things I, I get to do from a service standpoint is work with uh, children with disabilities and autistic mm-hmm. spectrum and different things with horses. And at that basic level, you just see the pure joy that can that a horse can bring to a, a, a young boy or girl dealing with that struggle, but I never translated it into how could that help me or how mm-hmm. could that be of service to other people until I experienced it myself. And the first time I saw it was in Arizona, in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and it was at a facility and it was with me. I, I was, as a horse guy, I took pride in my experience and, and probably had some ego wrapped up in what I thought I knew about horses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, no probably to it. <laughs> but uh, it's just one of the things. I mean, it, the the horse community, you get invested in what you think you know and what you saw, and, and it keeps you safe uh, to not get outside of that box. And So I was asked to do a simple exercise. It, there was this big 17-hand thoroughbred, and they said, you know, I'd like you to lead this thing from, he gave me point A to point B. It's probably a 30-yard stretch down the barnyard hall. He said, you know, lead him down there and lead him back. And, and so I was like, sure, simple. I actually volunteered to do it because I was in a group, and I thought, this is simple, and I'm a horse guy, so I'll get a little attention here. And so I, I grabbed that big guy, and we started down there, and, and uh, it was quite a struggle. Uh, he was he was pulling. He didn't really want to go, and, and I pulled. Every time he pulled, I'd pull harder because I thought, well, of course you're going to go because I'm in control here, which was – uh, there were more to be said about that in a moment, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I went down, went back. And when I got back, you know, the first thing this facilitator said, he said, well, you know, how'd it go? How was that? <laughs> and I thought, and my response was being someone in denial about some of that was, I went fine. I did what you asked me to do. But when I, I said, do you mind if we get some feedback? And of course the other participants said, it looked like a bit of a struggle to me. You know, it looked, cha- and, uh-huh. and that was one of the first awakenings to, wow, what a beautiful metaphor. And he asked me to do it again. And he gave me a tip. He said, I'd like you to walk to the end and walk back with this horse. And I want you to do it, do it a little differently. I want you to put your eye on where you're going. I want you to never look at this horse. And I want you to come back and put your eye on us. And, and you keep focused on where you're walking. And I did it. And we did it step for step beautifully. There was no struggle. And what I learned from that was a lot. But I learned that um, that's the way I did relationships is I wanted you to come with me, but I was going to be watching you the entire time to make sure you weren't going to leave me or you were going to walk the right way. And by uh-huh. me focusing on you and asking you to come with me, there's nobody looking where we're going. <laughs> wow. And, and, and it was like, wow, what are, you know, I was doing friendships that way, relationships that way. It, it was my own way, my own codependent way of trying to control a relationship so that I didn't get hurt. Um, and, it, me knowing, or it kind of, kind of dropped everything I thought I knew at that point. Right. And I thought, wow, there's a whole different depth to these creatures, and I've loved them all my life, but now I really get a chance to know them. And so I just went on, you know, that that's one of my passions. So I really started to try to learn about uh, equine behavior, equine science, and and beyond the metaphor. I mean, it's real simple. I mean, anybody can go out now I could walk someone out to the barn we could we could put a horse in the mix and there's a metaphor you could pull from how they react to it and what I see the horse reacting to them but beyond that they're just such amazing intuitive creatures and you can't really fool them I mean what you bring inside is what they see not what you're telling everyone else outside and that's a that's a rare thing and 
the more I can be like and the more aware I can be, I think uh, they've probably taught, horses have taught me more about being awake, aware, and authentic uh, than anything I've ever learned from a human. Yeah. So now we fast forward from the time you're trying to yank that horse around, and now you... <laughs> You uh, you run the American Society of Experiential Therapists, ASET. Does that have anything to do with equine therapy, or is that a different? It, it does because experiential therapy is kind of an umbrella for all things okay. uh, experiential, and, and equine would be in there. Uh, music therapy would be in there. Art therapy okay. would be in there. Psychodrama. Um, theater. I mean, there's a lot of uh, cinema, cinema therapy. There's a lot of different therapeutic modalities that uh, are more interactive and more experiential, and equine is a part of that. And so, so how many horses do you have at onsite? <laughs> we've got seven now. Wow. Uh, so anyone that comes to onsite, if they're in couples uh, or if they're in the coupleship or any other programs, is the equine therapy available while you're there, or is that a separate program you have to... It's integrated in most of our programs. There are some that it's not just because the schedule is so full, but where you'll be staying, you're within you're within 10 feet of the horses because when you walk on your back porch, the fence literally runs right behind the cabin. So everybody's going to get a horse experience and get to hang out with them. Uh, we do integrate it in a lot of the programs. The best way to find out, and we also run programs specifically for equine, so we're on a four-day equine program. And then I also take groups out. I take two groups a year out to Montana, and we do an equine program in the Bob Marshall out there, and it's amazing. But if you if you want a specific equine experience, uh, you can do it that way. We, uh, mm-hmm. If you want to experience it in a, within another program, you could just call and ask Brian and Amelia, say, where will I get to experience that while I'm there? And they'll tell you which ones. There's a couple other programs I just want to touch on, and then we, I want to know what else you're doing new this year because I know you're always up to something. And uh it's it's called the Prodigal Love Program, faith-based track. Could you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in the in the church and uh, in a pretty conservative Christian church, and and felt because I was the, I was the one in the family that kind of went astray, if you would, the black sheep, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, suddenly didn't fit there and uh, dealt with some some judgment and and what I didn't know now as I've kind of recovered spiritually is that as much as I felt I was getting judged from that conservative religion, I was judging it back. And that's been a great lesson for me of of forgiveness. Uh, And and now I look at that as, okay, um, we're in the middle of a big faith-based community here in located in Nashville. Right. And there there are great people that do great amazing things within churches and we wanted to be able to reach that community because I, I had people, you know, pastors and other therapists or, or Christian-based counselors that were coming here and were saying, man, I could send a lot more people or I would love people to get this experience, but is it faith-based? And for a while, I was resistant towards that. I thought, well, of course, we're, it's, it's not called faith-based, but we, I, I say we're faith-inclusive, meaning we don't exclude anybody for what you do or don't believe. 
I finally decided rather, and I kept thinking, I remember saying, John, I remember saying, well, they're just resistant, the fact that they won't come to my program because I don't say faith-based. And then I thought, right. well, right. who's resistant? Is it them or me? And then I realized I need to meet them where they are because I've probably got something to learn from them too. And so I wanted, I brought in a, a group of amazing people that are in that community, that, and I have learned a lot. And we developed a program, a track, faith-based, for that community to, to speak that language and to understand it. And we just combined it with our other programs, and it's been amazing. Well, that's really powerful. And I think people know that the faith-based community and the recovery communities have been holding hands for a long, long time. And there's just there's uh, language barriers and the way we describe things, and uh, I think that's a really powerful piece. And can people is that program a four and a half day program like the others, or is it a different? It's a five day program, and it's okay. simple. It's it's kind of a version of our living centered program, except we we integrate integrate the faith based and biblical based component. Okay. We have been talking with Miles Adcox, and the hour goes way too fast. And I think uh, I'm going to keep my eyes out for you on Dr. Phil and some of these TV shows. <laughs> now. Um, I I think your experience and your passion is is so evident in you talking to us today. And again, it's onsiteworkshops.com. Please go there or call uh, and. Just if you have any questions, they'd be glad to answer them for you. And I think uh, one of the best experiences of my life was to just go out there and to actually uh, put my feet on the ground out there and to be shown around. And it's a very powerful. I was led there by the experiences of of other people, Miles. And uh, we know that Alcohol and drugs and gambling and sex and food and family stuff and all these things uh, tear this world apart. But on-site is one of those, it's just holy ground. It's one of the, one of the places where we, we put the pieces all back together. And uh, I think the recovery community just uh, owes you a big thank you. And once again, we've been talking to Miles Edcox. And Miles, I will see you down the road. Thank you, John. And you're one of those guys that came along at the right time. And I just I love and appreciate what you do for this field as well. You're a class act all the way around. So it was fun to spend an hour with you here today. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.